Did you realize it was recording when you asked that? No, I had no idea it was recording. Oh, <laughs> you did it on purpose. I do uh, see that now. I didn't even look. I did it to ask you a really uncomfortable question, but... <laughs> this is going to be really awkward if uh, one of our teens down the road becomes a patron at this tier. <laughs> well, birds and bees, birds and bees. Oh, this is true, yeah. because I didn't realize this video is going to... <laughs> 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 Welcome back to the Christ in Culture. This is Gordon. And this is Clint. Why did we do it like that? (laughs) Mostly, I think I did that because as I was introing, I almost said I was Clint, but like not in like the Gordon way of doing it, but like I forgot what my name was. Oh, wow. Have we become that close that you you now think that you're me? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe just talking to you as of right now, I've just become sleepier. That that is possible. Well, thank you to everyone for for joining us, even though we are crazy and out of it, and it's going to make it even better. So, Gordon, what have you been up to? In general? Yeah, just life. Thanksgiving, mostly, hanging out with future family. Yeah, you had like six Thanksgivings, right? I did have six Thanksgivings, but luckily, like the last three were the best started off terrible and just got better each time i hope the people from the first three thanksgivings weren't here listening to this you were at the first one. Oh yeah <laughs> yeah that one was interesting yeah it just got better from there okay <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah i mean that was it was good it was good it just got a just got a little crazy at the end there, it you know. It happens. Yeah. Okay. So, did you really have six though? I did. I really had six. Yeah, I had two friendsgivings. I had two at my church, my mission, and Lizzie's mission, and then I had two family Thanksgivings. A big, like Lizzie's full family Thanksgiving with the grandparents, and then just the one on actual Thanksgiving. Gotcha. That's crazy. Yeah, but luckily on my real Thanksgiving. Or not real. Luckily, on the day of Thanksgiving, uh, her dad decided to co- cook pork butt instead of turkey. Pork butt? Pork butt. Okay. And it was just a lovely break away from like all the dishes. It was like we had pork butt with coleslaw and like charro beans, and it was delicious. This is kind of random, but since you brought up pork butt, a couple of weeks ago, I had, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget what it was. I think it was cow stomach mm. or something like that. The intestine or the stomach? I think it was the stomach. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Was it good? It was, it was, it was decent, yeah. Honestly, the meat itself wasn't bad. It was, there was kind of like a sauce to it that had kind of a funky flavor, but I mean, I've eaten some weird stuff. So. Where was that? <laughs> it was at our core team social. Hmm. Someone brought it as a, a side dish. That's so cool. Like, yeah, it was pretty solid. Are you adventurous with food? 
Yeah, I think so. Not in like the man versus food type adventure, but weird stuff. Yeah, I I've had a lot of different stuff. You know, like when I was in China, we had like snake and bugs. I've had rabbit, oxtail, uh, shark cartilage one time. I think there's a whole bunch of weird stuff. But that kind of comes with like traveling though too. I've I've gotten to travel the world a lot, and so I I think. One of the best ways to get to know a culture is through their music and through their food. So I try to jump on whatever cultural food I find. I don't even know all the stuff I've eaten. I mean, when I was in China, they kind of just gave me food and I ate whatever they gave me. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's like me and Lizzie and one of the person, two other people, missionaries, we went and did a a weekend retreat at a a cereal Malabar right church. It's basically it's a Catholic church, but the rite is of Indian rite. Um, oh, cool! And it's downtown, um, so it's valid. It's within the uh, Vatican and under the Pope and all that. But the the rite's just a little bit different, and it was super cool. And then it was during Lent that we did the retreat, and so the their Lent's different to where they start on Monday or Tuesday before our Ash. They start on Monday, so two days before ours. And they count Sundays, so it's actually like 50 days or something like that, if you, if you add it all up. Mm-hmm. It's like a little longer. And they fast from me every day. Every day of Lent? Every day of Lent, and then every Friday throughout the year. Like they fast like we do for Lent all year long, but during Lent they fast every day. And then they fed us, and it was strictly like Indian food. And I asked them, I was like, don't you guys eat with your hands? And they're like, we, we, you can, like not all of us do. So that's what I decided to do because I was like, you got to do it. And the one guy I was eating next to was eating with his hands, and I was like, I'm going to do it too. And it was so sad because, one, there was no meat, and it was the best food I've had like ever. Two... It was the best food I've had ever, and I have no idea what any of it was. <laughs> and I don't know how to go into like an Indian restaurant and be like, I want what I ate a few months, like a year ago. Just, just take the memory that I have and make that food. Do it again. I want it. Yeah, it was so good. And I can't even imagine adding meat into that, just making that better. Yeah. Yeah, it was so good. I'm not a huge fan of Indian food, but I'll take your word for it. I think that's the first time can't... I've had authentic Indian food, and it was so good. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they put a lot of spice in it, and I they do. You know, I I have no spice tolerance. So. It's true. It's true. So this this week really has been like huge on celebrating though, because you had a ton of Thanksgivings. Obviously, I had Thanksgiving. I went to Davis and spent Thanksgiving with his uh, his family. So shout out that's to Davis. Awesome. Family. Yeah, it was cool. Davis is my roommate for all of you listeners. Uh, and then we had David and Annalise's wedding. So we gave them a shout out last week. So they are yeah. married now and I got to be a part of that. So shout out to them. And then on top of that, my other roommate, Cody, and his now fiance, Celia, got engaged this week. Did you know that? I did. I did know that. Okay. I just, Hopefully that wasn't how you found out. No, they they texted me and then the group thing and then they were here last night. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so shout out to all of them too. It's just been an awesome week of uh, celebrating love and family and Thanksgiving. Have you seen them (laughs) since? I know this is like not podcast talk, but have you seen them? 
yeah. Since I they got engaged. Yeah, I talked okay. to Cody last night because the story is hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard it. So yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so go ask Cody. Yeah, uh, find Cody and ask him. He'll be at your local Whataburger on Wednesday. True. He's probably already told. He's probably already told probably you. Sure. Let's be real. Yeah, if you live anywhere in Texas or Louisiana, you probably already know the story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what have you been taking in as far as media this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I've noticed as I've been editing, uh, I keep forgetting about a lot of media. Like, I'll go on Netflix and I was like, continue watching. I was like, I don't even talk about this stuff. Um, so I've been taking it a lot. Lately. I keep a running list so I don't forget. I usually do. Actually, no, I had a list and I just didn't open it last time. Oh, gotcha. I think we're having too much technical difficulties. I just got, I just didn't even think about it. But I watched a while back, like the first two or three episodes of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance series. That's the uh, Netflix weirdly, not animated, it's like puppets, right? Yeah. So Dark Crystal is an old movie by, oh shoot, now I can't think of his name. The guy that made Sesame Street. And, I have no idea. Oh, man. Anyways. That's going to bother me. Why do I not know that? Anyways, the genius behind puppetry, he created a movie way back in the day, too, or a, a bunch. But Dark Crystal was one, and The Labyrinth was another with David Bowie. And oh, they yeah. just redid Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, which is a prequel series. If you can get by watching like the puppetry, just because it, like, it does take away a little bit, but it's also really cool, the story is awesome. Because it's very... like mythological yeah fantasy based story so it's really good i only watched the first two episodes and i was hooked it was great i watched uh welcome to marwin which is a steve carell movie did i mention that on the podcast uh i don't know if you talked about it on the podcast but you've definitely told me about it that was I've, after I've the first it. friendsgiving i talked about it remember okay. that now yeah so it's steve carell it was last christmas almost a, almost a year ago very interesting. It's a true story about an artist, essentially, uh, and like a trauma story. I watched the first two or three. I might have watched three or four because it's really good. The News Apocalypse TV series on Netflix, Daybreak. Where, I don't like, know the, that one. It just came out and it, like the trailer kept playing. You know when you open Netflix and the trailers just start playing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the trailer kept playing and it's very like Zombieland where the main character is speaking to you in third person, like breaking the wall, fourth wall. Okay. And it's almost like Zombieland meets Mad Max meets like, with like meets like Riverdale. Cause it's like high schoolers and like the whole world, a, a nuclear bomb lands and the whole world's gone except for kids. All the adults have turned into, I forgot what they call them. They're not really zombies, but they're like walkers essentially. And all the kids have formed tribes across the nation. There's like the, the jock tribe. There's the geeks. There's the, you know, the mean girls. And the main character hasn't picked a tribe. And that's how he survived. Because he's solo. Kind of like uh, SAO. Yeah, exactly. But like they really enhance like the, the high schoolness of it. And it, that's what makes it really funny. Because like the jocks all wear pads and they they just like souped up their cars that look like Mad Max Fury Road cars and it's really funny and it's really clever and so far I like it a lot. 
<laughs> but I, I haven't watched it since. I was like two weeks ago. I watched two episodes. Last night I watched like a third of The Irishman. Yeah, that's been popping up all over Twitter. I don't even know what it's about or anything. So it's Martin Scorsese. Catching Foxes talked about this, but it's been like in like big debate over like the future of the movie industry because Martin Scorsese is huge. Um, the actors in it, it's like Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, who came out of retirement just to be in it. He's the guy with the gold tooth from Home Alone, mm-hmm. but he's been on a bunch of like gangster movies. And then uh, Al Pacino, and it was a Netflix movie that came out. And it was so like heated that theaters even complained, and they had like select theaters al- al- allowed to release it before it came out in Netflix. Wow! But it's yeah, it's just a gangster kind of like a gangster mob. It's a ba- it's based on a true true characters, but it's kind of exaggerated. It's three hours and twenty six minutes long. Is it really that good? Because people are saying on Twitter that it's uh, there's there's mixed reviews, but people are saying so, it's not worth the time. So I know, I mean, just go and listen to the last Catching Foxes podcast about the Irishman. They explain a lot about the interviews with Chris Scorsese and what his idea was it with it. But I watched, I like, it was late when I started. I wasn't really planning on watching it. I just wanted to, like, start it. Just be like, what does it look like? What's it like? So I clicked it. It was, like, 1230 a.m. Rookie mistake. <laughs> Dude, I was hooked. I didn't want to stop. Yeah. I thought, like, okay. it was it was slow. It was monotone, but like just the story and the storytelling and like the seeing it, I like couldn't stop watching it. Mm. So, so far, I mean, I'd give it like a nine out of 10. They even use like brand new technology to de-age all three of them because it's told in flashback. And like technology is like $50 million, um, which is why it came out on Netflix. But, uh, I thought that would kind of take me away from it just because it might look weird, but no, it looks super normal. Wow. So, and lastly, I started reading a book today called uh, House of Hospitality by Dorothy Day. Oh, I know yeah. her. Well, not yeah. personally, but I know of her. I'm pretty sure she's dead. Yeah, she. Yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> she's a she's a servant of God, is her her title. Yeah, the first step of uh, canonization. Yeah, Speaking borrowed, of which, oh. did you hear that the beatification for Fulton J. Sheen has been postponed? Oh, no. Yeah, there's, there's an Your uproar. life goal is ruined. Well, I wouldn't say it's my life goal, but it would be so cool to go to a beatification, and uh, now I'm not going to. At least not yet. So, maybe someday. Yeah. When's it been postponed until like like they're like nope he's we actually need to confirm if he's gonna be a saint or not still yeah that's exactly it what so apparently some of the bishops were like uh no they so the, some of the bishops petitioned to the pope to postpone it so they can review evidence further that's ridiculous yeah we know so he's a saint there's a, a huge uproar. Uh, some people are saying it's because there was an accusation against him like a couple years ago or last year. Or something, I don't know that he covered up a scandal, which was disproved. It was proven I mean, false. I don't want to like I'm not saying if that's true, it's OK, but that doesn't mean someone's not a saint. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't 
the church isn't going to give them an official label of saint. Well, in my never mind, I'll keep my opinions <laughs> to myself on this one. Okay, <laughs> you've been just, you've been taking in stuff, right? <laughs> I have, yeah. Uh, so I got a list going here. So, um, like I said, I've been saying for the last couple uh, episodes, I've just been crushing through the Star Wars canon. Which reminds me, I actually saw the first two episodes of Mandalorian. Yeah, okay, we should talk about that for a second. So I'm, I'm caught up on Man- the Mandalorian and Star Wars Resistance. So I am completely caught up on the visual canon of Star Wars. All the movies and TV shows. Um, until Friday when a new episode comes out. So Baby Yoda, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, crap. Never don't, mind. You the can't know ba- that just came out. You can't tell me anything. I don't know anything. I know. I was going to talk to you about episode four, but you said you're only two episodes in? Only two. Dang it. Okay. Well, get caught up so we can talk about Baby Yoda. I was actually the- watching it legally with a friend. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so, caught up on Star Wars canon. The other thing is I have been crushing uh, Father Mike Schmidt's homilies, the UMD Catholic uh, Bulldog, whatever yeah, it's called. I listen to those again, too. Yeah, so he does this series, so I wait until the whole series is out and then binge the series, and I just listened to his one on um, comparison, compara-sin. Compara-sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was really, so really good. Clever. He is, he's clever because of the way that he uses analogies to catch people's attention and that they remember, and I give him props for that. Uh, so I've been listening to that. Listen to the Dear Evan Hansen soundtrack, the TV show The Flash. I just uh, watched the, well, what is out so far for season six. And then I've been reading a lot of scripture, actually, for talks and stuff. And I've been like studying the book of Revelation a lot. So that's a, a fun, super deep one. And what else? Oh, our class, The Adventure of Discipleship. Oh, yeah. Started already. Same, uh, totally. It's pretty lit. You haven't even watched it yet. <laughs> I saw the things that were available to me. Okay, well, anyways. Uh, and then the last thing, which I haven't seen yet, but once it starts, I will definitely check it out, is uh, Wizards of the Coast announced that they are having a new group of... Um, I guess, streamers, uh, like their official D&D stream. So remember, I told you back in the spring how their group that I watch all the time, Dice Camera Action, my favorite group, who I've gotten to see a couple times, they fell apart for reasons. So two of those members are back with two new members, and they are starting a new program called D&D Presents, I think is what it's called. That's cool. Yes, yeah, so I'm excited for that. That's all I got. Nice. And, actually... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. actual topic for today that I forgot to talk about. Let's actually talk about this. Yeah, so we got to this topic from your bachelor party the other week, actually. It's true. Yeah. So we were, like, playing board games or something, and I I don't even know how this came up. drawing game, actually. Yeah. And I don't know if someone drew something or someone said it, or if just in conversation our podcast came up, and then, like, Disney came up, but somehow someone mentioned Pinocchio, mm-hmm. and maybe just like in a, in an inebriated blur, one of the guys in the room was like, <laughs> "Make a podcast out of that," 
and I just started to rattle off like a whole bunch of connections to Pinocchio and, you know, the Christ and the culture of it. And Clint was like, have you thought about this? And I was like, I just did, but no. <laughs> and then we were like, okay, well, let's well, record let's it up podcast. Yeah. So we are doing Pinocchio. Pinocchio. The, to clarify, the movie, not the uh, not the book. I never read yeah, the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a second, uh, I thought you were about to say, like, to, to clarify... The cartoon version, not the live-action version. Well, there is a live-action one that comes out in, like, two weeks. What? Yeah. So I found this when I was doing research for the, the movie. Like, by Disney? I don't think so. So it's in Italian. Oh. And all the actors are Italian and everything. I, I Go watch the trailer after this. It actually how'd, looks kind of... How'd they get away heavy. with that? I have no idea. <laughs> okay it's probably the one movie disney's like whatever <laughs> <laughs> i can't see disney ever doing that but uh, I, know, I, maybe, know, I know maybe so hopefully you guys are familiar with the story of pinocchio it's kind of a disney classic really so it came out in 1940 so that's what that's 80 years ago holy it's 80 years ago okay wow uh yeah, so it's eighty years old. So Boy, at this point, forty-eight. You're making me feel old. Okay. At this point, hopefully everyone's seen it or is at least familiar with the story. Go through kind of some of the main characters real quick, uh, just so everyone's on board. So the first character we see is Jiminy Cricket. He's literally a cricket whose name is Jiminy, and that's where we get the phrase oh, Jiminy Cricket. How do you spell it? J i m i n y space cricket do you want me to spell cricket too no no i just when i was doing a uh uh, a youth night on conscience i looked up jiminy cricket and it just wasn't spelled the way i thought it was yeah it's literally jim like j-i-m any Mm -hmm. jiminy yeah mini mini like mini Mini, jim i don't know mini j mini a mini cricket i don't know jiminy cricket we have our main character pinocchio which apparently is Italian for liar. And Eyo. then, yeah. And then we have the person who made him. So Pinocchio is a, a puppet. And we have the puppet maker, Geppetto, which I learned is a Tuscan version of the name Giuseppe, which is Italian for Joseph. So that's interesting. Ooh. Yeah. And then we have a lot of other characters that are kind of smaller. So we have Figaro, the the kitten, which is kind of just a pet. There's uh, a fox named, uh, well, they call him Honest John, but his real name is J. Worthington Fowlfellow, which anyone whose last name is Fowlfellow, stay away from him. Fowlfellow's friend is Gideon, the cat. Uh, they're kind of like the bad guys of the movie. Then we have Stromboli, the puppeteer, <laughs> which is kind of funny because Stromboli is just a pasta. Uh, and then there's the evil coachman, there's Lampwick, the bully, and then Monstro, the whale. Monstro literally means monster. Um, but those every, are every other character sounds terrifying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for the the blue fairy. That's the only character I didn't mention. So she's kind of like the the magical fairy of the story. So that's that's that. 
And the movie starts off with one of the most iconic Disney songs of all time. When you when wish you upon, wish a, upon star. a star. Yeah. And so Jiminy Cricket's kind of singing singing that song. My first thoughts when I was listening to the the lyrics of this again was this is kind of like a misunderstanding of what prayer is. Because we see in in this song, we see this star, or for us as Christians, God, as kind of like this genie rather than as a, a father. And I think it's a lot of times what we imagine God to be. Just like you make a wish and God fulfills it. You it's know actually, what I'm saying? No, I do. It's actually funny because I was just thinking uh, there's this tradition that my family grew up. I know a lot of people do this, but we do. I think we do a little bit differently. So, you know, you know, like the eyelash, find the eyelash on your face or on your body. You make have, a wish. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. So we always did it where you find an eyelash and you like you grab it between your pointer finger and your thumb and the person you found the eyelash on has to guess that when you when you open your fingers is it going to be on your finger or your thumb and so you'd say finger or thumb and if you're right then you get to make a wish and if you're wrong you don't and if you do make a wish you have to rub it on something blue in order for it to come true obviously because it rhymes so that makes sense yeah of course so Magic it's only works funny because rhymes. me i've now started this tradition me and lizzie and it's hilarious well I don't want to say that because if she listens to this, she's going to be pissed. But it's funny <laughs> because she is notorious for guessing the wrong finger. I mm. think I've done this with her at least 20 to 25 times, and she's gotten it right once. Ooh, um, that's she, she is just incredible at just like saying it, and then I open it into the wrong. It's, it just makes me mad. But it is really funny because like I, I, when I think about saying, like, yeah, you get it, make a wish, and she makes like she wishes something, and then even me. I often wonder how much easier it is for me to make that wish in that moment. Or like someone's like, here's a quarter, here's a whale, and I make a wish. Then it is for me to go sit down and actually pray for the same thing I just wished for. Mm. You know, like I, it's, it's like when someone's like, blow your candles up, make a wish. Like you think of like the most wishful thought, like the most almost impossible thing sometimes. Rather than in prayer, you try to be realistic why do we do that? I know. Because, like, even scripture says, like, whatever it is, like, bring Nothing, it to God. I know. I just, that's what I was thinking when I was just thinking about wishes and, like, that song. And you're saying, I understand what you're saying. We misconstrued it. But I also think we do, we are more wishful than we are, like, prayerful. Mm. Some, and, like, in that, and, like, that's not what I meant, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and wishing isn't a bad thing. Like it's, no. it's a good thing to, to want things like to wish literally just means like, this is something that you want or you desire. Uh, obviously you want to like have a formed conscience so that, Oh, and that comes in later, have a formed conscience so that you actually have wishes and desires that are good for you and appropriate for you. Um, but it's, it's a good thing to wish. Yeah. Um, and it's an even better thing to bring those wishes to God. And I think where our mistake comes in, when we do that is we expect God to work just like your eyelash thing where it's supposed to come true no matter what, even though like realistically we know that it's not going to come true because that's a, a silly just rhyme tradition, whatever. But we expect God to do exactly what we want when we bring wishes to him like a yeah. genie. Right. And that's not how it works because a lot of the times we what, what we wish for is not actually good 
right? And even if we think it's what's best or what we think is good, we are so we see so little of time and space and reality that we really don't <laughs> have any idea. And to think that our wishes are some kind of supreme power or whatever is kind of like making ourselves God and is actually really prideful. I think that's it then to answer your question. Why do we do that? I think, I think the reason is, is because if we pray it and it doesn't happen, then it's like, okay, is this God I'm praying to real or does he even care about me? But if we wish it, it's like a gamble. It's like I'm rolling the dice. If it doesn't happen, that's because it's a silly little thing. But if it happens and it's just coincidence, mm. then we can just chop it up to like mere whatever. Whereas like praying it makes it real all of a sudden and it's a possibility of like realizing that, like realizing what we're wishing for is selfish or what we're wishing for is not good and uh, it's, it's, we, can, we can get our feelings hurt. Yeah, I think that's the ticket there that where we have to realize that what we wish or what we desire is actually not good or selfish. I, I think yeah. that scares us a little bit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we strong. I honestly thought that was going to be a, a throwaway line. So I'm glad that we, we got something <laughs> out of that. <laughs> so the next thing that happens, we come into this, this puppet shop or this clock shop actually. And we see Geppetto is, is it actually a clock these- shop? Isn't it? I'm it's not like, saying what, it's not. It's just so funny what we were talking about before we started the episode. Oh, I, I thought that's why you said that. I had no idea. I thought he was a puppet maker, but that's hilarious. No. So if, I mean, he, it's surrounded by clocks. There's wooden clocks everywhere. No, it I talks about how right. it's all made of wood. Yeah. Um, but one of the things he does make is, is Pinocchio. Yeah. yeah, a puppet. And he says, like, he finishes painting him and everything. And then he says, like, I wish you could be like a real boy. Like, I, I desire this. I, I wish for this, right? And then as he's sleeping, the blue fairy comes in and says, essentially, since Geppetto, like, since you have been so good, I'm going to grant you this wish to a certain extent. And she brings Pinocchio kind of to life. And so as he he kind of comes to life-ish, he's still wooden. He's still a puppet, but he has kind of like... It's like a soul inside of a a shell Marionette. in a way. Yeah, exactly. It's it's an animated puppet, and so what he says is he starts to move, and he's like, "I can move," and then by speaking, he realizes I can talk. And then he stands up, and he's like, "I can walk," and he starts walking around. And this kind of made me think about like God as the animator of life, right? And you think about uh, just creation itself and, and humanity and how we we go from from nothing to god created a world that is in motion he created life like us that can, we can move we can grow we can speak we can walk we can do all these things and one of the comparisons that i saw was actually uh, when i was doing some research on this it talked about how this is actually a metaphor for animation itself so like early animation you have no sound you have just the picture but it starts to move it's no longer it's a motion picture now then you have you have talking and then you have actual animation where people are running and doing activities and right. stuff. so yeah I just, I just thought that was kind of interesting to see like god as the the animator the creator of this this world in the way that geppetto and the blue fairy 
created life in Pinocchio, but then also the way that an animator creates life in his show. It also speaks into like the actual meaning of of what is true. I know we've talked about these things before, but in the idea that like before he spoke, it wasn't any less true that he couldn't speak before speaking. Does that make sense? Like when he was when he was moving before he said the words, "I can move" or whatever he said, he could he could already he already had the ability to talk, before but he didn't he, he didn't know it until he spoke. And I think that's like a real true thing where it's like sometimes we don't think we're going to be okay until mm. we come out on the end of it and we're like, "I'm okay." It's like one of those things we don't realize things that are true until they're until like we can we can see it, but that doesn't make anything less true. Yeah, I don't know if you can better phrase that, but that's just another thing that came to mind. Yeah, the, it actually almost reminds me of the Goodwill Hunting scene at the the very end. So we did the episode on on that a couple months ago, where uh, over and over and over again he has to tell Will like it's not your fault, it's not your fault. Which was and something that was already true. It was already true, but it's something that we don't realize sometimes. Sometimes we don't right. notice the truth because we, we're so wrapped up in our own head or, or the lies that we're told or that we tell ourselves that we don't recognize the truth the when lies. it's right in front of us. The Pinocchio. Oh my gosh. For those of you who can't see what's going on, <laughs> Gordon just did the Pinocchio with a pencil, pen, something. It's a nail file. <clears throat> no, whatever it is. <laughs> okay. I know you're a dude, but this is a nail file. Gross. <laughs> okay, so the part that comes next is actually, I think, one of the the biggest parts of the movie that I never noticed. So I, I, I told you this before we started recording, but I haven't seen this in probably over 15 years, this movie. And I just rewatched it last night for the show. And there's so much to this that I did not pick up as pick up on as a kid. Uh, and one of them is this line. So the the fairy talks to Pinocchio and says that if he wants to become a, a full real boy, like a truly real flesh, body, soul, composite boy, then he must be brave, truthful, and unselfish. Huh. And she says after that that he needs to learn to choose from right and wrong and that his conscience will guide him. And this made me think, like, she was saying that if you want to be a real boy, she said nothing about having a body. She said nothing oh. about like anything else. What she said made him human and real was being brave, truthful, unselfish, and knowing what is right and wrong. Those are the characteristics she gave for humanity. I thought that was interesting. So it is br- brave, truthful, unselfish, and uh, can understand right from wrong. It makes me so think w- that. What do you think? You know, it makes me think that his journey as a puppet, like a puppet that is alive, animates our journey here on Earth. And that his coming into his body's whole composite self in the end, if so that happens, spoiler alert, maybe not, we don't know. It does. Uh, is is like like it's kind of like God saying, if you want to make it to heaven, you need to be bold, courageous, and unselfish. You need to learn right from wrong, and let your conscience guide you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Um, and I mean, these are these are virtues, right? Right. And 
we notice throughout the rest of the story, if you're familiar with this, that immediately after this happens, Pinocchio does the complete opposite. He <laughs> he he isn't brave. He's uh, he terif- he's terrified. And he just goes along with whatever other people want. He's untruthful. He lies whenever he's confronted with in there. His- his misdoings. Yeah, seriously. He's, uh, he is selfish, right? Uh, we'll talk about this later, but there's a whole scene where uh, this, the fox and Gideon tempt him with whatever he wants, fame, fortune, whatever. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and then he completely ignores his conscience. And so he does everything he's not supposed to. And that's basically what the entire movie is about, is how he's not doing these four things. And that is why he is not human for the majority of this this movie it's not because he's stuck he's a he's a puppet although that's also part of it yeah right Um, so i just i think that's important and i literally never noticed that conversation before and i completely forgot the the fairy was even in the movie if i'm being honest actually this is this is good because i think we said it last podcast but happy advent yeah Yeah. it is advent and just this like call to what it means to be human is like is kind of just like a, that part of that preparation of like that like the coming of Christ whether it's whether you well not whether I mean it's you know the the birth but also that's the the reminder the one time a year that we're reminded um, in in how to prepare for that second coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. And whether you're, I mean, like, like the reason Pinocchio screws up, we're about to get into that, is because we all screw up. And there are things out in the world that make us scared, make us not want to be bold, and make us want to choose our own desires. And so it is a, I think that's the thing is rather fitting. Yeah. And I think one thing to keep in mind, and this is something I brought up earlier, uh, not even thinking about it, is that the fairy doesn't leave him by himself. And this is where Jiminy Cricket comes in. He's he's kind of just crashing in their in their house in the shop, and he's sleeping, and he's woken up by all this commotion, and is kind of watching over this conversation. And when the fairy says that he needs a conscience and that that his conscience will guide him, Pinocchio is like, well, "What's a conscience?" And Jiminy Cricket's like, "You don't know what a conscience is," <laughs> and the fairy, after he explains what it is, the fairy actually uh, makes Jiminy Cricket the conscience for Pinocchio. And so it's now his job to help him to discern what is right and wrong, uh, which makes things super interesting for the rest of the, the movie. And actually, in my research, I found out that in the original production of this movie, Jiminy Cricket did not exist and there was no conscience character. And huh. Walt Disney like stopped production and is like, this is not right. We need to fix this. And they went back and added a whole new character of Jiminy Cricket, which changes everything. Yeah, that song is also iconic. The one we're about to talk about? Oh, yeah, sure. Maybe. I, I think Spoiler so. alert. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so Jiminy basically teaches Pinocchio, or tries to, that life is full of temptations, and he's not supposed to chase down these short-term pleasures. And... Basically, Pinocchio is on board. He's like, "Yeah, that sounds great. Like, I'm not going to do that. I, <laughs> I want to, I want to do what I'm supposed to do. I want to be a good boy, a real boy. I want to go to school and learn and like do all these things." And um, 
they have this song called Always Let Your Conscience Be Your Guide. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, that was. That was it. That was it. Okay. That was not the one I was talking about, but uh, they they sing that together. And immediately, as uh, as Jiminy Cricket is bringing Pinocchio to the school the next morning, he's walking, and then the the fox. What did we say his name was? John um, uh, Foulfellow. Something. Foulfellow. Yeah. So the fox and Gideon. Find Pinocchio. Swiper, no swiping. <laughs> <laughs> Guessing it three times. If only Dora was here, she could have saved Pinocchio from all this struggle. It's not Dora, uh, it's viewers. Oh, you're right, you're right. So those two, they tempt Pinocchio, and they offer him fame, and they say, we can make you an actor, and they they say they'll he'll get like money, fame, all this stuff. Basically... The typical things you think of when you think of like a celebrity actor, you know, uh, and they teach him a song and then he, he actually he goes with them and he joins this uh, traveling group of puppeteers um, and he is like the star of the show because he's the puppet with no strings and he sings a song. All the other puppets are fake, right? Well, all the other puppets are actual puppets, That's you know, I, with you know string, I mean. strings yeah. and everything. Yeah. But they're yeah. also they can't talk like him. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the the miracle one because they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing technology. Like they can move this puppet without any strings on him. And he sings a song called I Got No Strings to Hold Me Down. Or he, he starts to sing it and then he falls and embarrasses himself and everyone laughs at him. And then Jimmy, who finally catches up and sees what's happening, is like, go ahead, embarrass yourself. Maybe then you'll listen to your conscience. And then Pinocchio gets back up again. And he sings the rest of the song. And so this is how it goes. I got no strings to hold me down to make me fret or make me frown. I had strings, but now I'm free. There are no strings on me. Hi ho, the Mario. I want the world to know nothing ever worries me. Right. And so it's this idea that our conscience and morality are holding us back. And once we shed those things, well, now we're free and we can do what we want. And it also kind of ties into free will, which is something that you wanted to to talk about. Yeah, well, because I think so. Pinocchio is a marionette puppet, which uh, is a the puppet with like the wooden like plus sign or the cross with the strings that connect to the arms and legs and head. Yeah. One of my favorite, actually, my favorite type of puppet. And I think we can think with this song, the strings mean control. So someone is controlling him. And that's mm-hmm. something that we know our God not to be. Like, if if we, free will doesn't exist, then that means everything that happens is, like, literally God, like, pulling levers and pulling strings and controlling every situation and outcome. But right. it, the strings are exactly what Clint just said. The strings are the Ten Commandments. The strings are the laws written on our hearts. The strings are this, this new covenant and this the actions and more importantly i think the uh, the uh situations presented every day to choose the right over the wrong just like the blue fairy said and those things because of the words commandments or rules or laws or uh, just because of some of, the, some of the situations you're presented in where you see the wrong and it seems we're going to get in this later more pleasurable it, it seems restricting 
It seems like yeah. your hand is forced. It seems like you're tied down, and it's not. It's more freeing because when 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 you get rid of the strings, when you when you try to do this thing where you're like, I'm I'm finally free, you you fall down, you 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 embarrass yourself, mm-hmm. you you do find pleasure, but then you look yourself in the mirror and you're no longer a a, a puppet. You're a donkey. Like you don't see who you were and you lose your, your you lose your humanity like we we're talking yeah. about before you lose your identity you lose your humanity um you find a new identity but it's false and just mm-hmm. everything is no longer on this like true foundation anymore yeah and it's really only in faith and morality where we reject the idea of of rules like if we look at the rest of society bishop Barron always uses the, the analogy of sports like if we had sports without rules, they're no longer sports. If you take away rules from uh, from driving, that's chaos, right? There's a reason why we have laws, uh, and it's not to restrict us; it's to free us within the bounds of what is right and like what the purpose of that thing is, right? Right. So our our purpose for playing uh, baseball is to play baseball, right? Our purpose for driving is not to get in an accident, and so all these rules are to help keep us in line for what our purpose is and our purpose for life is to essentially get to heaven right and so these these rules are to help guide us along that so i think that's a good point yeah so after after that the audience throws a bunch of money at him and then jiminy is like taken aback he's like wow they actually really like him and he's a big success I guess he won't need me anymore. What does an actor want with a conscience anyway? And it's kind of a funny shot because obviously an actor said that. Um, but it's a shot at actors. But also uh, he's kind of giving up as the conscience. And so he as a conscience does not do a good job because he is not well formed. His his role as a conscience has been, what, uh, 12 hours at this point um, with no training. He's just had a, a magic like switch and he was a conscience. Um, and so he's not well formed, and, and that is something that um, we as Catholics are supposed to follow our conscience, but we also have a uh, duty to form that conscience well, and to not just ignore things that come to us. Um, and so part of that forming that conscience is to learn about morality and and how things are the way they are. And there are certain things that are written into our heart. Like, we know it's wrong to murder. We know it's wrong to lie. Like, even as children, we know these things are wrong or to steal, right? Um, but sometimes we have to actually go further in and learn about it. Yeah, so. actually, I did a night on conscience. And what's really interesting, if you actually jump into the catechism about it, is, like, just because you don't know what's right or wrong and you do the wrong thing uh, doesn't... You know, I used to think that kind of like nullifies you from the wrong, but that's not entirely true because if you intentionally or even unintentionally missed opportunities to properly form your conscience to know that wrong, that mistake is still on you in that way. Yeah, you're you're culpable for that too, yeah. And it's like, huh, it's like not only like, oh, I didn't know, but it's like, no, but you, at this point, you, you could have You known. should have known, yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, and so after his performance and all this money is made, the puppeteer, who is named after Stromboli, the pasta, uh, takes takes Pinocchio back into his wagon. And he says, w- when Pinocchio says he wants to go home and tell his father like 
how great he's done. And that's a natural human desire. Like when we do something good, we want to share that with people. Um, especially our father. Yeah. Especially our father. Right. Yeah. I, I love that. It, especially the creator. Right. Cause yeah, Geppetto is the creator here. So Stromboli actually locks him up and says that he will never see his father again and that he's going to use him and then sell him for money. Um, and I, I think there's something to that, but as he's like, he's desperate and he's just weeping. Um, the, the fairy, well, the fairy comes, uh, but before that happens, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Jiminy Cricket. Gosh, I blanked for a second. Jiminy Cricket comes in to say goodbye. Uh, after he said he doesn't need a conscience anymore, he's just going to say, uh, wish him well and stuff like that. And he... <laughs> Pinocchio asks him, what do I tell the fairy? And... Uh, gosh, I forgot his name again. Jiminy Cricket is like, just tell her the truth. And he doesn't. Pinocchio ends up lying and then lies to cover his lie and then lies to cover his lie. And it's kind of reminiscent of Adam and Eve in the garden where they make the mistake and they start pointing fingers at each other. And they're like, well, uh, he made me do it. She made me do it. And, and that kind of stuff. Um, but the thing that really stands out to me in the scene is the fairy and her response. Because she kind of sees what's going on and gives him, like, four different chances to repent. She's like, are you sure you're telling the truth? And he's like, oh, yeah, like, I'm telling the truth. And eventually his nose grows, right? That's the thing with Pinocchio. His nose grows so long that it becomes like a, a tree branch. And she says, a lie keeps growing and growing until it's as plain as the nose on your face. And... That's true. I mean, we see that with little children, right? Yeah. And I mean, I can remember some pretty serious times when I, I did this growing up too, where you tell a lie and then to cover your lie, you tell more lies. And then pretty soon it's you're so snowball. stuck in lies. Yeah, yeah it's, it's insane. Um, but eventually she lets him go and restores his nose to normal. And he promises to never do anything like that again. And as they're on their way to school again, with with Jiminy Cricket, the the fox and the cat come back and convince him to come back with them and, and go to this place called Pleasure Island. And he's like, "Oh, that sounds great!" And he ends up going with them again after he had just promised to never uh, to never do that. And so they go to this Pleasure Island. They're shipped him and a bunch of other boys, and it's really just full of gluttony. They're eating, they're smoking, they're drinking, they're gambling. They're fighting and breaking things. There's literally a house where they just go to break stuff. Uh, it's whatever vices you can think of. And they do yeah. these things until they literally turn into jackasses. They become donkeys. And they even say that. It's like they are making jackasses of themselves. When you when you do this, you're, you're, you're becoming less human, like we talked about before. And in fact, they point that out by becoming donkeys. Um, so Jiminy figuring out what happened comes to save Pinocchio, but Pinocchio actually wants to stay with his new friend. There's air quotes <laughs> there named Lampwick and Lampwick is like your stereotypical bully. Who's just like picking on Pinocchio, but Pinocchio likes it. Cause it's uh, what he thinks is a friend basically. Right. He's being acknowledged. Yeah. And then this is something that I thought was really interesting. Pinocchio, when Jiminy tries to take him away, responds and says jiminy 
Lamplick says that a guy only lives once. It's literally YOLO. YOLO. Yeah. So YOLO actually came from Lampwick in the 1940s. And that that's it's such a, a bad way of thinking. And there's the cheesy thing as as Christians, like you only live twice because, you know, resurrection of the body. But yeah, that's you do. Like you have one life on this earth and the idea that you're going to use it doing things like this instead of actually like spending it wisely, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It just makes sense. So eventually Jiminy rescues him, but before, so he rescues him before he can finish the transformation into a donkey. So he's only part way donkey. They swim back all the way back to Italy, apparently, and find a note from the fairy saying that Geppetto and all the pets went looking for him, but they were swallowed by a whale called Monstro, but they're still alive in his stomach. And so they go to find this whale, they actually swim to the bottom of the ocean to try and find him. And you brought this up and I brought this up. I think it's a pretty obvious comparison here. It's kind of like Jonah. Yeah. So to give you guys a a quick synopsis of the story of Jonah from scripture, uh, Jonah is sent by God, who is obviously his creator to the city of Nineveh to convince the people there to repent and in doing so, try to save the entire city because they is supposed to be like one of the worst cities in the Old Testament as far as like sin, uh, kind of like this pleasure island that we were just talking about. Jonah didn't want to go because it's scary to go tell a bunch of people that everything they're doing is sinful and that they need to change their ways. So he ran away the opposite direction and he got on a boat and he was thrown into the water and swallowed by a whale. And then he was spit out by the whale in Nineveh. He ended up preaching there. They repented, and everyone was saved. It's kind of like this this fall, death, and resurrection. So fall, where he denied God. He died by being eaten by the whale. Yep. And then three days later, <laughs> resurrection, uh, he, sp- he spit out again. Yeah, it's it's literally the, the uh, uh, Old Testament Never uh, heard of it. Just, there's this great thing called Veggie Tales with a little base of celery and the pirates who don't do anything. We are the pirates. The fantastic who don't do retelling anything. of the story. We just <laughs> yeah. sit around all day. <laughs> <laughs> so the Pinocchio version of this is we have Pinocchio. He disobeys his creator. He's supposed to go to school. He does not. He literally does everything he's not supposed to do. He is then eaten by the whale, and so is Geppetto and the others as well. Um, they escape where Pinocchio comes up with this idea to get all of them free. It works, but he he dies saving the others. And he's eventually brought back to life by the fairy again. So we see again this fall, death, resurrection. Although his resurrection is not from his own power, it's from the the fairy which is kind of like a god figure in this so we do see this comparison uh happening between the two and that's essentially the end of the story for being honest yeah i like that geppetto means joseph because i remember before we started talking about it i kind of mentioned geppetto as more of like a god figure with i'm not going to go into it but like the watchmaker kind of like argument but with the blue fairy and then Geppetto as like the father figure role, who does seem like extremely human and extremely like what? 
It just he, he, <laughs> he's so goofy. He just he does make more of a good like Joseph figure. Yeah, well, I I think there's something to him, kind of being a representative because he is the father in a way. He's the creator. Yeah, but other well, than it's more that, like there's... father and Holy Spirit, I guess if you want to go that way. Yeah, but as in all things that we talk about on the show, nothing is a perfect representation, no, and know. it's impossible to have a perfect representation because that would be literally God himself <laughs> uh, and no, no human can create a story uh, that perfectly portrays God. So well, we, go. all our faces after viewing such a movie would be glowing to where we'd have to veil it. Or like the old Testament, when you appear at the, the Ark of the covenant, you, your face would be melted off. You just, we just, yeah, just, just melt. That, which is that one meme of the guy from Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Okay, so let's talk about uh, challenges then. Oh, easy. Okay, go ahead. Uh, just take this week to be bold, be courageous, and to be unselfish. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, the those characteristics. Uh, or actually, look at those characters. Because that's, I mean... Let's be real. That's hard. You have seven days to do all three of those. That sounds near impossible. Look at let's look at those three. My favorite one is be bold. So maybe that's something that I'll focus on this week. But like, look at those three and be like, which one stands out? Like, which one's like, wow, like I like that word because that's not one I would have thought about or one that I really work like I really carry in my daily life and pick that one mm-hmm. um, and work on that one. That makes it easier. Narrows it down to like kind of one thing especially because I'm sure Clint has some challenges and we're going to give you like a whole bunch of challenges. Like you don't have to like do a bunch, but yeah, Yeah. look at them and pick one to like focus on this week. Yeah. Cool. Uh, my challenge is actually pretty straightforward. Um, take time to form your conscience, uh, whatever that looks like. So maybe that's reading the catechism, uh, or something like that, or maybe just taking a, a lesson, um, I don't know. I think, I think a great way to do that would be to actually take some time this week to study, like whether it's the catechism or canon law, something you actually disagree with the church. Mm. Yeah. Because if you disagree with it, then it's something you might not know if it if the church disagrees with you. And then, yeah, that's like a great just just studying is a great way to For form sure. your conscience. Yeah. And if you're someone who's feels like you're a little bit. Um, more well-rounded in the catechism and scripture and you want to go further, something that I'm going to be doing starting January 1st, uh, there's a one-year read the entire Bible and the catechism. Uh, so you have different assignments every day you're supposed to read and study. Uh, so you guys are welcome to do that with me. That's and cool. We kind of talk about it. I can send it to you as well if you want. You can also go on to a Pints with the Coin, or now I guess it's the Matt Frad show. I don't know if he still does this, but he did have like read the entire summa in a year oh yeah and that, i've been getting those be emails next year. <laughs> I've been getting those emails but he sends like one section of the summa each year so another thing if you're like well versed in everything else yeah. that who are you and um but and you want to like take it deeper then yeah there's also the summa theologica or the summa for the summa or the summa for the summa for the summa or the summa for the summa for the summa for the summa for the summa or for those of you who prefer podcasts, the Summa Tweetologica from Clinically yeah. Speaking. Yeah. Or my new podcast where I summarize Summa Tweetologica 
Okay. <laughs> I think we're getting to that point of the show. No. Uh, do you have any shout outs that we haven't said it already from the, the beginning? Uh, we said Cody. We said people. Um, <laughs> we said people. I don't think so. Yeah, I think we hit everyone at the beginning that uh, that I had for this week. Uh, I do want to mention that. I mean, this is do you, do you have any? Oh, actually, I do because I uh, <laughs> you just had really big eyes there. Um, I want to give a shout out to my godson Nolan because it was his birthday the other day. What? Yeah, that's awesome. Sh- shout out Nolan. He doesn't oh. listen. <laughs> oh, lad. That's cool. Um, no, I want to. I'm going to shout out uh, uh, Nick and Davis because I just released a episode on the show, our longest episode to date. Also, it's unedited. Um, yeah, and it's entirety. And <laughs> it's not one that you can find unless you want to support us on, on on Patreon. And I'm not doing this to entice you to support us, but just in the end here, uh, Patreon.com. If 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 you like what we do, you want our content oh, no. to be better. What? What? You you just froze there. Oh. Okay, but can you hear me? Yeah, you're back again. All right. I'm not trying to entice you, but if, if you just if you like what we do, you, there's different ways you can find out more of what we do. Um, there we have a website, thechristinculture.com, that has a blog, it has who we are, it has more of what we do, all our episodes, stuff like that. Uh, we have a Twitter at on the adventure two where you can communicate with Clint uh, 24/7. Um, there's a Facebook page, <laughs> <laughs> the Christ and Culture. And, That's a and, shot. <laughs> No, it's good. It's good. Uh, you're right. You're, you're right. <laughs> uh, uh, and we have a Patreon where, like I said, we just released our longest episode of dates, almost two hours, shot eight minutes shy of two hours long. It's on everything and anything Zelda. Uh, the, it's the reason we invited Nick and Davis on because they know more than we do on that topic, as we've mm-hmm. proven in the past. And two, there's just different things you can receive just for like as a thank you. Uh, one of the things we did recently for certain we we give out like q and a's each month where you can like facetime us or not facetime but like skype or whatever and just ask us questions and this past one that we did last month it was so much fun we we just made different things into tea i don't know if you guys watch rhett and link but we really just ripped them off because we can and uh we just drank really gross tea stuff because we like tea tea is our thing and we did that and it was gross um so if you want awesome yeah it was fun but if you want to see stuff like that or get a sticker or hear episodes the episodes are only available if the five episodes that are will be unreleased will only be available for the first five patrons and i think we have two more sp- we two need spots we okay we two have two spots. more spots left um for that so yeah, that could be as low as one dollar a month, really. But I think the first tier is ten, five, five dollars a month. Yeah, think yeah. about that. Pray with that. Patreon.com backslash the Christian culture. Yes, I think I think that's it. That is that's everything. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys for joining us. Know that we are praying for you, and I hope that you are praying for us. Uh, and do reach out. We want to hear from you guys, and it's always. 
it's always cool to hear feedback. So, and if you have anything that you want us to do an episode on, yeah, let us know. We're always looking for new stuff. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, Felicia. Bye. Bye. Your next dog. I know. Crazy. What is it like? 39 days. Yeah, just over a month. Holy crap. We're in the Linton season of our marriage. Of our engagement. Yeah. The fast before you feast. That's been coming up so much. Probably because we're on Advent. Sort of. It's not really a fasting season. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Well, wait. It is a penitential season. No, it's not. It is. No, it's not. Look it up. It is too. Advent and Lent are both penitential seasons because in the church you're supposed to fast before you feast. And the biggest feast days in the church are Christmas and Easter. And so the periods leading up to them are always periods of preparation and fasting. No, it's not. If people think it's a penitential season and you should treat it that way because it's more powerful, but it's not actually one. It is too. No, it's not. You're not required to like have a certain fast like you do in Lent, but it is intended to be. The penitential days and time. This is canon law or the catechism. Penitential days and times in the universal church are every Friday of the whole year in the season of Lent. I only learned this from Chris last year. He used it in talks with teens, and I was like, "What?" Ca- Catholic answers. Advent, the season of forgotten penitence. Ascension Press. Penitential Advent. <laughs> it, like Literally I everyone, it, except for... Like I, it should be treated that way. But it's it's not... Like you said, it's yeah. not required, so it's not really like a... Oh my gosh. I guess it depends on what, you're, what you mean when you say penitential season. If you're talking about in the sense of like... I think we're both right, because we're both speaking... Yeah, it's, it's what you mean by uh, penitential. So... I found a good article on it from December 2016 where it literally talks about the Code of Canon Law is generally cited since Advent is not included in the official, quotes, list of penitential days and seasons, along with the general instruction of the Roman Missal, which describes it as a period of devout and joyful expectation with no mention of penance. The reality of the matter is more complex. The church's traditions are not comprehensively determined by or summed up in any code of canon law, nor in any missal or other liturgical book. It is true that Advent is not a fasting season and has not been so in the West for a very long time. On the other hand, fasting in Lent, the most ancient and universal sign of the season's penitential nature, has been reduced to a risible two days. And the many references to fasting have either been removed or changed to abstinence. In the prayers and hymns, this is about Lent and Advent. Yeah, even even calls us out the boiling down fasting and Lent to two days. That's awesome. Yeah, we should put this in the podcast. Okay, I don't know where, but that needs I to have be. no idea where to put it. Just in the end, just after the <laughs> credits, just a bonus scene, or we can make this bonus Advent content for the Patreons. <laughs> Clinton and Gordon argue about 
canon law without actually <laughs> reading canon law. Uh, like I said, uh, I think I think it is a penitential season scripturally, and in in the essence of what it is. But according to canon law and its requirements, it's not actually a penitential season when you're talking about what a penitential penitential season is. And within regulations, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I I follow. I follow completely. I think it should be someone to keep teaching us if it is. (laughs) Because it's all about what I believe. 